Good afternoon. Welcome to For the Love of Pets podcast. This is Dr. Don Shreves, owner and operator of the Pottsgrove Animal Hospital here in Pottstown, Pennsylvania. It's a lovely snowy day today, so it's a good day to sit by the fireplace, warm up, curl up with your you know, four-legged furry friends, and listen to a little information about how to keep them safe and warm. Today we're going to be talking about cat vaccines, what they do, and how they protect your pet. So stay tuned, and I'll be back in just a couple. Good day and welcome again to For the Love of Pets podcast. Again, I'm Dr. Don Shreves, owner and operator of the Pottsgrove Animal Hospital here in Pottstown, PA. And today we're going to be talking about cat vaccines. I hope you've listened to our dog vaccine podcast that we did previously. This one's now going to address the different vaccines available for your kitty cats and why to get them, what they protect them from, what the diseases do, so that we can hopefully educate you a little bit on how to keep your uh, kitty cats safe and warm and healthy. So, you know, we come into the doctor, you know, once a year to get your cats examined and checked up and get them checked up, make sure that they're physically healthy and everything's doing fine. Um, your doctor's going to talk to you about different vaccines available for your kitties. Um, and, you know, it's good to know what these vaccines do, what these diseases do, and how they affect your cats so that you know what you're protecting them against. So, first one we're going to talk about, real simple one, rabies. Uh, this is the only one required in cats uh, in Pennsylvania by state law. Um, so it's definitely one you want, you're going to need to get, obviously, whether your cat is strictly indoor or not, PA law does require all cats and dogs to be rabies vaccinated. So rabies is a virus that's transmitted, uh, through the bite of an infected animal. Um, so what happens is this virus travels through the peripheral nerves and eventually moves its way up to the brain where it starts to eat away at the brain tissue and cause destruction of the nerves up there. It then will travel down into the sal salivary glands where it is excreted out in the saliva and prepared to infect another animal through the bite of the infected animal. Um, what we tend to see with rabies is, of course, abnormal aggressiveness, uh, abnormal tendencies um, to be disoriented. We see neurologic problems, essentially. Okay, It is a fatal disease in dogs and cats and people as well. And basically, all warm-blooded animals are susceptible to the virus. As I said, it's transmitted by uh, an animal bite, and things like bats, skunks, foxes, raccoons, all are commonly wild animals that are infected by rabies. Um, it is difficult to diagnose because there are no blood tests, because as I said, it travels in the peripheral nerves. Um, so the only real way to test it and verify that an animal does or doesn't have rabies is unfortunately to test the brain tissue, uh, which unfortunately means that you have to euthanize the animal to do that. So it's better to protect your animal, um, especially if they're going to be going outside. But even if they're not, you know, bats can get into a home, wild animals can work their way in through different areas into your homes and your attics and potentially expose your family and your animals to rabies. Um, so the vaccination is by far the best control for rabies. Um, it is one of the most common, um, diseases we see out there. And it's one of the diseases that are communicable to people, otherwise known as zoonotic, um, which means basically from animals to people. So keep your cats vaccinated. Don't think just because they're inside, they don't have to be vaccinated. Again, it is required by law. 
right, next vaccine we're going to talk about is feline panleukopenia virus in cats. Um, this is a parvovirus of cats, and I'm sure you've probably all heard of parvovirus in dogs. Causes GI symptoms, vomiting, diarrhea. Um, again, we talked about it in our uh, dog vaccine podcast. Well, this is the feline version of that. Um, it, you know, symptoms can vary, but you know, usually develop about two to five days after exposure, um, and it comes from direct contact with an infected cat or the infected cat's bodily secretions, um, especially feces. Parvoviruses are known to be very hardy viruses, and they can last for a long time in the environment. So they don't directly have to come in contact with the cat with the parvovirus to catch it. Um, it can be sitting there in the yard outside. You could step in it, drag it into your home. A lot of ways that you can unfortunately bring parvovirus into your house. It most commonly affects young kittens, um, but it can affect animals of any age who are unprotected. Most commonly, what you're going to see is uh, severe diarrhea, um, sometimes severe vomiting. Uh, fever, lack of appetite, dehydration, and profound depression are all common symptoms of this disease. And then cats can often develop a secondary pneumonia caused by it, um, which unfortunately um, leads to a very high mortality rate with this virus. So again, it's something you want to protect your cat against. It is part of your normal distemper vaccine. Now, just like in dogs, your distemper vaccine is not just distemper. It's a multitude of different diseases we're protecting against. Um, distemper is only the very first one, and again, otherwise known as panleukopenia virus. All right, the next one on the list is the rhinotracheitis virus. Again, this is usually part of your normal four-in-one distemper vaccine that you give to cats. Um, this is a herpes virus. It attacks the eyes, the nasal passages, the trachea, which is your windpipe in cats, causing a lot of respiratory signs, including sneezing, coughing, runny eyes, uh, runny nose, usually within a couple days. Um, it's spread by contact um, with discharges from the eyes and the nose. Um, so basically like, you know, any kind of a herpes uh, virus or common cold type virus. Um, so mild cases often recover within a couple weeks. Um, more severe cases can last longer. Um, we know a lot of cats are endemic with the herpes virus. This is a slightly different herpes virus, but it's in the same family. Um, so it is something that happens and become lead to chronic, you know, problems, chronic sinusitis. Um, so again, something you don't want your kitties to get and you want to keep them doing well. Again, it's part of your normal four in one distemper vaccine. Next up is Khaleesi virus. Now, Khaleesi virus is not always part of the normal distemper vaccine, though at my hospital, I do do the, um, distemper vaccine for cats that includes the Khaleesi virus protection. It's a upper respiratory viral infection. It can be mild, but it can be pretty severe as well. Um, basically, you get infected by inhaling the virus or ingesting the virus, um, and usually symptoms develop within about two to 10 days. Um, most commonly early on, we get runny eyes, runny noses, sneezing, depression, poor appetite. Um, you can develop ulcerations in the mouth and potentially up in the nasal cavity caused by this virus, so they can get sores on their tongue by this virus, um, which is then going to make them drool heavily and have a very decreased appetite because it's going to be painful to eat and drink. Um, it usually lasts anywhere from one to four weeks, though most cats do recover. It can be, in some cases, potentially fatal, especially if you've got an immunosuppressed cat, like in a, uh, a feline leukemia or FIV positive cat. So again, something you want to protect your kitty against um, from getting. I said it is sometimes part of the normal distemper vaccine, like it is at my hospital, but not every hospital includes it as part of their distemper vaccine. So make sure you ask your veterinarian um, whether they're using a distemper vaccine, which includes the Khaleesi virus. 
All right, the last part of your normal distemper vaccine is the feline pneumonitis um, infection caused by uh, chlamydia cytosine. It's a uh, microorganism. It's not a virus. It more resembles a bacterium, okay? Um, there are various strains that can affect animals and potentially people as well. Uh, it most commonly causes a conjunctivitis type syndrome, which is a swelling and inflammation in the pink tissue around the eye. Um, so they get swollen, they get congested, you get uh, red tissues um, uh, surrounding the clear part of the cornea. You can get small blisters potentially in the conjunctiva. Um, usually it's one eye, starts off in one eye and eventually within about one to two weeks migrates to the other eye. Um, again, it is spread by contact of um, uh, fluid from the eyes, you know, kind of like say it's kind of like a nasty version of pink eye. Okay, not something you want to have, not something you want to pass from one kitty to another. So make sure you, if you're handling a cat that may potentially have been infected by the um, chlamydia, the chlamydial infection in the conjunctiva, wash your hands afterwards before handing other other animals. Um, some individuals are more likely to get this than others, just because of the way their immune systems. Um, but again, it's just not a disease you really want your kids, your kitties getting. So protect them with the distemper vaccine and make sure you just uh, promote good hygiene after handling the animals. All right, now we're going to talk about um, a couple of viruses that are a little more selective and a little more rare in some cases. Um, and there are vaccinations against them. Some are better than others. Um, but... They are ones that are can be a little more selective. Not all cats necessarily have to have them, um, but certainly it's never a bad idea to protect your cats against these viruses, depending on the situation, whether they're indoors, indoor, outdoor, strictly outdoors, whether they're part of a, a potential colony of cats outside, or if there's a lot of stray cats within your area that they may come in contact with. So the first one I'm going to talk about is the feline leukemia virus. Okay, this is a virus cats get generally... Um, it's called, it gets either from cat-to-cat -cat contact, or it can also be contracted from mom before they're born um, while in utero, okay? Um, not all cats that are exposed to feline leukemia become permanently infected. There is a percentage um, that do become, and approximately 30% uh, of the cats that are exposed um, do remain positive their entire life. And about 10% of the virus can become dormant or inactive in the body, um, in which case it can certainly activate later on. Um, what it potentially does is suppresses the immune system so that these cats have a immu are immunosuppressed. So they're much more susceptible to other uh, viruses, other infections. Um, it can also affect the bone marrow, which can cause anemias. Um, it has also been known to trigger off the growth of certain kinds of tumors. Um, so it has, you know, there's not one specific sign or symptom of feline leukemia. Now, there is a blood test for this virus, um, and I do recommend testing all cats that have not been tested, and especially kittens, especially if you don't know where they've come from, if they were stray or you just got them, you know, somebody had a box along the side of the road that said free kittens and you picked one up that would be a good one to make sure you get tested. Um, you want to make sure they don't have it. And if they don't have it, that means they didn't get anything from mom, which is good. And then now 
the question is, do you protect them or not? Now, I like to encourage people to, to protect against feline leukemia, at least for the first year of age, because kittens are kittens, and unfortunately, sometimes they will make a break for it. They will try to get outside or get away if they see an opening, and in which case, if they do, you want to make sure they're protected. You want to make sure they're safe while they're out there in the world until you can find them and get them back, and you might be able to get them back real quick. You may not necessarily get them back real fast, um, in which case, God knows what they may come in contact with, but you want them protected because the unfortunate thing is if they get feline leukemia, we can't get rid of it. It is a lifelong infection, um, and it is definitely, in a lot of cases, going to shorten their lifespan. So it's just better to keep them safe than sorry. If after a year you can say to me, hey, they're not trying to get out, a lot of times we can bypass the vaccine at that point, or we can continue it again just as a safety precaution. I leave that choice up to the owners. But for that first year, it's definitely a good thing to do the test and then do the vaccine. All right, now we're going to talk about a virus that's very often uh, thought about in conjunction with the feline leukemia virus we just talked about, and that's the feline AIDS virus or the FIV virus. It's very strikingly similar to the human immunodeficiency virus, which is HIV, that causes AIDS in people. Uh, it's found in most parts of the world. Um, virus samples have actually been found in serums dating back to the late 1960s, so it's been around for a while. It's present in the saliva of infected cats and most commonly goes through biting. So most of the time it's transmitted by a fight, which is a lot harder to transmit than if it's through uh, respiratory secretions or other bodily secretions like leukemia can be. Um, this one is not passed on through the placenta in a pregnant uh, queen, but rather through the milk when the kittens are nursing. So an FIV positive queen can certainly pass it on to her kittens through the milk. Um, a lot of time it's divided into three stages when we see actually infections, the subclinical, the acute, the subclinical, and the chronic. The acute stage lasts between three and six months and usually is, uh, see mild illnesses. Uh, intermittent short episodes of lethargy, um, decreased appetite and fever. Uh, most of the time, owners don't even really notice this stage. The next stage, um, the subclinical stage, can last from months to years where they appear healthy but their immune systems are slowly deteriorating. Um, and then, of course, in the chronic problems is, you know, where it becomes unfortunately fatal and um, they lose their body weight. They don't eat. Um, a lot of cats will have uh, recurrent stomatitis when they're FIV positive, which is a severe, painful inflammation in the mouth. Um, other respiratory infections, intestinal disease, fungal disease, anything that can really infect the body that's been suppressed because of the virus is usually what um, uh, causes the death of the animal, unfortunately. Um, most average time from diagnosis to death is on average about five years. Um, it is not infective to people, so it's not something that can be transmitted to people. Um, so if you have an FIV positive cat, you don't have to worry about yourself. Of course, there is always the potential contagion to other cats. Now, the last one we're going to talk about is a fairly rare virus, um, the feline infectious peritonitis virus, or it's a feline corona infection, coronavirus infection. Now, coronavirus in dogs is not usually a problem, but coronavirus in cats is a severe problem. This is a really nasty virus. Um, it's spread from cat to cat uh, via poop, urine, or secretions from the nose and the mouth, and is often even inhaled or ingested. Um, 
So uh, queens may infect the kittens while in the womb or during the nursing period. Um, purebred cats do seem to be a little more at risk of FIP than um, non-purebred cats. Okay, um, It has two distinct forms that we know of, the wet form and the dry form. The wet form is usually easy to diagnose because what happens is you get a heavy fluid accumulation in either the abdominal cavity or the chest cavity where their belly just distends with fluid. It's often a characteristic straw colored fluid um, that can be sent out to be tested and usually comes back FIV positive. There's also blood tests that can be done as well. The dry form, much more difficult to diagnose. This is where you get uh, an inflammatory disease in various organs, the eyes, the nervous system. It's not usually rel relatively obvious. Um, and it's oftentimes one of the last things you think about when you've ruled out everything else to test for FIP. Um, the prognosis is very poor. Um, there is no effective treatment for the virus. Most cats that get the virus are either euthanized or die on, the, on their own, unfortunately. Um, there was a vaccine for the FIP. Um, it wasn't very good. I'm not even sure if it's still available in the market. It might be. Um, but I do remember them saying that the uh, effectiveness of the vaccine was not that good. FIV, it's kind of in the same boat. Um, there are vaccines available limited efficacy and protectiveness against FIV. Um, luckily, both of these viruses are not extremely common. Feline leukemia by far is much, much more common uh, feline uh, viral problem. Um, so of any of those beyond the distemper and the rabies, the feline leukemia I think is by far the most important one to protect your kitty from. All right, so that covers all of the most common available uh, vaccinations um, for cats and you know why we protect them, what the diseases cause, um, what symptoms to look for. So in general, you know, distemper, rabies, and feline leukemia are your big three. Uh, FIP, uh, FIV, certainly there are vaccines out there, but you have to understand limited efficacy in how well they protect your cat. Um, but sometimes no protection, some protection is better than no protection. So with that, we're going to end today. Um, I hope you learned something. I hope you found this very informative um, and interesting. Um, we're going to be back with another podcast um, next week. And until then, um, remember to always love your pets because they're always going to love you. And if you have any questions, any comments, um, any uh, topics you'd like me to cover in later podcasts, you can shoot me an email over at for the love of pets podcast uh, at gmail.com and I will take a look at it and hopefully either answer it on the air or send you a personal message back um, when I get a chance if I can't address it on the air or don't have time. But I'm going to try to address questions and concerns and hopefully some further topics later on down the road. So have a great day. Love your pets. They're always going to love you. This is Dr. Donald Shreves from the Pottsgrove Animal Hospital signing off for this week.